remarkable people overcoming remarkable challenges with resilience, dedication, community, and grit. Listen as they share their stories of overcoming adversity. Open your eyes to what is genuinely possible for all of us. Authentic Adversity with host Chris Howe. Welcome back to another episode of the Authentic Adversity Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, today, I'm sitting down with a friend who has a remarkable story. Uh, you know, he's he's a very inspiring, uh, a motivating uh, person. Um, I've listened to a lot of his interviews, and we've been kind of back and forth on social media. And, uh, you know, I have a great deal of respect for uh, for this man. And, you know, I want to welcome Brian James. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I've been really looking forward to this one. Um, you know, I, I interviewed your buddy Matt um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, you and I had already been talking. And he said, you know, he, after we did the interview, he's like, you got to link up with my buddy, uh, Brian. And and I was like, dude, I'm already on it. I've already we're already working on it. So um, I was really happy to, uh, you know, to have connected with you and uh, to get to know your story. And, you know, it really is quite awe inspiring. And, um, you know, the more I learn about you, the more. Um, the more impressed I am and the more, um, you know, the more hope I have for all of us out there and especially us in recovery. Um, your story is very unique. It's very powerful. And um, I think it's a story the world needs to hear. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just really grateful for you to be here sharing today. I mean, I really appreciate it. It's, it's hard to even accept that, but I, I definitely appreciate it. And I, I do work hard to try to be worthy of those kind of compliments. So thank you. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, you deserve every one of them. And, uh, you know, to, to kick it off, you know, I, I like to usually start, uh, you know, early life, what it was like for you, what the environment growing up was for you, um, where you grew up and, and sort of how you grew up. So do you want to take it from there? Yeah. So, um, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, mm -hmm. kind of all over the place. Um, my mother and father both, uh, struggled with drug addiction, with heroin being, their their drug of choice okay my father very soon was gone out of the picture i i really didn't have any contact with him yeah. since since a young age and you know he was in his active addiction and so was my mom right like any family i know there's so there's millions of families like across the world that you know have been touched by addiction right it's an unstable lifestyle. It's a lifestyle riddled with like anxiety, uh, fears, all that. Like uh, I, I felt probably every type of emotion yeah. that there possibly could be growing up. Um, you know, ultimately at the age of eight years old, um, with my father out the picture and my mother, like, like in the throes of her addiction, really struggling, was unable to care for me. My grandparents adopted me at that okay. point. That was 1984. Okay. So moving in with them was obviously quite a different dynamic and, um, you know, uh, did a lot change for you that at that point? Um, I would say externally things changed okay. because, uh, you know, they lived in a nice neighborhood. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my grandfather worked in the in Universal Studios. Okay. So I didn't, I, I didn't want for anything. They took the best care of me and, you know, and showed me so much love. But like, it, it was a big jump. Like yeah. you have a an eight, nine-year-old kid who's just like full of, all this chaos inside, you know, right. And they're a little bit older at that point. There's a huge generational gap. These are my grandparents getting ready to retire and travel. Mm -hmm. And now they're, they're stuck with this little Tasmanian devil, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I imagine that would be, um, as you said, externally, 
the circumstances changed, but internally and emotionally, um, it, it probably got a lot more confusing too, because, you know, you're already, as you said, riddled with anxiety and depression and confusion. And now you're taken out of the place that you know, and put in a, in a I would assume a more stable environment, but you're internally, you're still struggling the same way. So that must have been extra confusing at that age in life too, um, you know, to go and through it, that change. Yeah. And it proves the point that like moving doesn't change your circumstances. Yes. Like it, it, everything starts like in between your ears you Yeah, know, where it all starts. Because like I said, externally, like I immediately was put into private schools. Like I was in karate, I was in basketball, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Christmases were amazing. Right. But, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, I, I, I was at war with myself inside of my head. I kind of grew up the same way. Like I, I was cared for by other people um, at a certain point in my life. And, you know, I turned to some really harmful things uh, to kind of cope, I guess, or to to get some sort of um, some sort of emotion because I, I, I was uh, very much like emotionless for a long time. And you know, I would hurt myself or I would, you know, turn to drugs, alcohol, these sort of things or, you know, pe or people. And, yeah. you know, I was, cause I was taking my pain out on, in external ways like that. Um, did you turn to anything like that at that point in life? At a, at a young age, I would just say I, I, I was I've always been like a daredevil. Yeah. Uh, before the age of like 16, I think I broke something like 14 bones. Oh, wow. Okay. Like skateboarding, like I, I was that one kid who would like ride the bike off the roof, you know, right. always like seeking the attention of people. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, maybe um, like unconsciously, those were things, you know, I, that fights began starting happening in school. Okay. I hadn't started um, like using drugs and alcohol that came, you know, a few years later. Right. Right. But just it was basically at those early ages, like acting out, just being a troublemaker, just being just like an all around pain in the ass to everybody. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Uh, just attention. It didn't matter what kind of attention, whether it was good, bad, or, or whatever it was Lots attention. And that's what I was, I was desperately seeking attention and, you know, truly attention was, it was love that I was seeking. Um, but I, I'd, I'd search for it through attention, through acting out or, you know, getting into a fight or doing something, something that will that would get somebody's attention to say hang on a second you exist you know you're important enough yeah yeah and yeah. even if just saw myself like uh you know exploration and stuff i've come to learn like when they said like class clown or troublemaker like i own those titles like i stepped yeah. into them and i and i i met the expectations of that right you know i, I learned that later in life where i remember it started as he's a chatterbox he's talkative in class he's this and then yeah. it moved to, you know, so many things up to the worst of the worst, a monster. And like anytime a title would be placed on me rather than standing, I would, I would step into it and own it. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. So as you, as you moved through, you know, through school, then, um, you know, at, at what point were you, um, you know, how old were you at this point? Like, this is like before like, high school, around high school? Yeah, like I'm 10, 12, like getting, yeah. You know, uh, I, I ended up getting kicked out of the private school system. Did you? Um, okay. Yeah. And basketball was always like a saving grace for me. Like okay. God, I was given a God given gift to play basketball right. and um, it's a trip. You know, I, I just, I came home too. And my grandmother still has all my trophies like up oh, wow. on this little shelf. Like it was really emotional. Like coming home, seeing that right there. Like, That's amazing. But yeah. like, you know, basketball, it, it came natural. I was good at it. You know, I mm -hmm. got, uh, you know, all the accolades and all that. But as soon as the game was over, 
I'm miserable again. Like I, right. I'm just that person who's at war with himself in his head. Yeah. Uh, he's back. So ultimately I got kicked out of a private school system. Um, okay. This is when I went to public school. All right. And that's that, that, that was the summer. I, I don't remember the years. I want to say 89, 90, something like that. But that okay. was the summer where like the game changed. Like, okay. He, I was always like a, my first instincts was never like anger and violence. Like I de- like I nurtured and developed these things because by nature, I'm like, I'm a compassionate person. Like I'm a good yeah. person who wants to help people. Like that's who I am fundamentally. But right. I started like I was nurturing all these negative hmm. thoughts about, you know, um, your, your parents don't want you and your grandparents don't want you. And yeah, um, yeah. Ugly dialogue going on inside of my head. And I'm doing this right. alone, like uh, in isolation a lot, you know? As we know, like I'm, I'm, I'm emulating addict behavior at that point, you know. Yeah, Actually, yeah. In the drugs, and and with no outlet for that. I mean, like you had basketball as your little escape, but it was temporary, right? So, sure. and I, I would imagine, and I mean, we're around the same age, so I, I can, I can probably um, gather that it wasn't a real safe time for men to be, or boys to be talking about their feelings, their emotions, about like what's actually going on inside my head. Yeah. We're, we're all just flexing, trying to be something that we're not, I think at that point. Right. Yeah. And, um, try, this, yeah, know. this is the nineties, like you said, it's, it's a lot different, like a yeah. lot different at that time. Like there's no talking you just, you know, you rub mud on it and you get back in there, you know, right. there's no fears. There's none of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think about that often and, you know, I've got a nine-year-old at home right now and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that he's coming up in a world that's a little more uh, emotionally in touch. I mean, uh, albeit, I mean, they're, they're, they're also so, you know, overly dependent on, on the internet and their phones and all this kind of thing, but they are at least getting the message that it's okay to open up. It's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to be vulnerable and to talk about what's actually going on where, you know, we didn't have that um, modeled for us anywhere in our childhoods, right? Like we we were told to suck it up, be a man, like all these cliche sort of sayings that, um, you know, we carry that stuff through the rest of our lives. And, and you know, they're really quite harmful to us, especially when we're troubled kids. And, see, and being raised by my grandparents, I was raised by a grandfather who, who came up in the 40s and 50s. So right. yeah, we're talking like the toughest generation. Like, you know, he yeah. would wake up for work at four in the morning, come home at 10. And like, yeah, I provide for my family. I do this. Like I maybe saw him cry maybe once in my life. Right. Yeah. Really strong man. Yeah. It's great to be brought up with, you know, somebody with that, that kind of work ethic and strength, but there's a, a lack of emotional availability there that, uh, you know, especially that generation. I mean, I, I, my grandfather, you know, for, for me, he was, uh, he was kind of a, a role model and somebody I really looked up to. And, you know, now that I look back at it, I mean, he was a cold motherfucker. Like he was like, you know, he was a tough guy, but I've never seen him open up about anything. It was like, you know, he taught me how to throw my first punch he taught me how to drink. He taught me, you know, all sorts of things that were, you know, that's in his world. That was being a man, you yeah. know, and, and and he taught me the things that that he knew. And it's not his fault because it's a generational thing. He grew. That's the way he oh, grew up. Yeah. So. That's yeah. all. This episode of the Authentic Adversity podcast is brought to you and sponsored by Another Road Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center. Another Road offers a client-centered recovery program tailored to every individual's circumstances. Their focus is to create a supportive healing environment rather than a rigid, rule-based institution. 
Their dedicated commitment upholds the individual values respecting each person's desire for recovery. Another Road understands that every individual requires a unique and focused approach to their recovery. Certain modalities of treatment are introduced along with the tools necessary for each client. Located in a rural setting, their addiction treatment center for all genders provides the perfect setting for a transformative recovery experience and sense of belonging. The private residential treatment facility offers an unparalleled program with counselors that have in-depth knowledge based on varying years of experience in addiction. Another Road utilizes unique individual focus plans for recovery that address the complexities of drug addiction, alcoholism, and prescription medication misuse. They have a 65% success rate when clients follow their program. I know many people who have completed this program and they have absolutely rave reviews. To learn more, visit anotherroad.ca. To get back to, to your story, man, um, so that's, you know, like going into high school, that, that age, like after you're in the public school system, um, what do you like at that point? You know, are you getting into shit a little bit then, a little, little more? Are you meeting yeah. kids that were I mean, more yeah. like you? Yeah, that's definitely um, like I, I was getting into like fights and stuff like that. But I would say at that time I was more um, like a student of, of the student of the game who I wanted to be. I had this idea of this person that I wanted to be. Yeah. And uh, so I'm just watching. I'm trying to get close to these people, affiliate mm. myself with these people. Yeah. And um, so I'm watching, but like I'm definitely progressing like um, – the crimes I'm I'm committing uh, shortly after I got to public school system, I was arrested for like my first crime, trying to okay. impress people. Yeah. So yeah. definitely the progress and it happened so quick. Like mm. I have this picture of me and my grandparents um, in New Zealand and I have a picture of me and my grandparents eight years later. And when I, when I look at like I'm in prison eight years later, so it happened yeah. so quick. Like, yeah. So from the second, like, and I was fully ready to immerse because I talked about basketball. Like once I'm playing basketball and then I stop, I'm back to this person. Mm -hmm. Now, the gang thing and all that, it was a full-time job. It's a phrase I heard. It's 24-7, seven, seven days a week. So right. this is exactly what I'm looking for in life, like to yeah. be somebody else completely all the time. So I kind of jumped headfirst yeah. into that. Yeah, I can see that. That's, that, that becomes your, 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 your structure, your escape. You're and and yeah, and now that's something that you can, as you said, 24 seven, you're that person that you get to yeah. be, you know, you get to be part of something 24 seven, you get to be among a group of people that, you know, that that are probably all trying to, you know, gain acceptance from each other. But but like, there's a there's a, a cohesiveness there that yeah. I, I think, you know, like that, that's sort of, um, that's quite attractive to somebody who's going through hell in their own mind. And I thought it was searching for something. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. For all my problems and that cohesiveness. Like I, I learned a word in my studies as you know, I, I'm doing this self help therapy and 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 I'm growing. It was called trauma bonded. Yes. So it's we were a bunch like the people that we came together. Our all our backgrounds were similar. We we're all yeah. the same thing, and we fed it to each other. Unfortunately, like it was negative in every aspect. You know? Right. I mean, that happens, uh, that happens more than, you know, more than I think, uh, people realize that yeah. it is trauma bonding. And, you know, I, I've, I've had that with a lot of people as well. And, you know, I've, uh, you know, bonding through something traumatic that's happened or our, our paths are very much in line with each other's. And, um, 
other than that, I, I realized, you know, once I got clean, once I got out of that lifestyle, I realized I've got nothing in common with these people except yes. for the shit that we were going through emotionally from childhood. Yeah. And that was yeah. what was keeping us together. That was why I couldn't get out of the lifestyle I was living. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite powerful. Looking back on it now too, like it just like that life makes zero sense to me. Like I don't fit in yeah. any kind of way, you know? And it's yeah. funny too, because I remember while I was still incarcerated, I was talking to one of my friends and he goes like, I'm getting close to getting out. So any kind of write-up would, uh, I'm staying in and all that. He goes, what would you do? Like if something jumped off or you had to do, and I says, man, like, it's funny. I, I've, I've, I've done all these internal changes. Like I don't have what it requires yeah. like, anymore. I just don't have, like, it's not in me to, to do these things anymore. Yeah. It's not who I am. Well, and, and that's, that's really reflective of the internal work that you've done, up, you know, up to that point, like to, to, to change your life and like actually heal those, those, those traumas of the past and that sort of thing, the, the hard work that you did um, in, in recovery and in changing your life that, yeah, I don't even have it in me that I don't have a bone in me that wants to take part in anything. I don't got, yeah. I don't got what it takes anymore because really I think, you know, you've come into your true your true self and your true, um, you know, the person you're meant to be, you're, 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 exactly. you're re I think returning to that person that you're meant to be. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's it's not still, easy. It's still a process. Like, yeah, I always call it like my second thought because you know, what I've come to learn about myself is like an addict. My initial thought is always to cope. Yeah. Like, uh, the majority of my life, uh, I was a criminal, uh, you know, I, I was not the greatest person. Like right. who I am today, I haven't been that person that long. Like I'm still growing in that person. So yeah. my initial instinct still to like, say a situation arises to like impose my will or use anger or aggression or something, right. violence, because that's what had always worked for me. But I get to my second thought fast now. My second thought yeah. is right on my heels. Like, how is that going to work out for you? How, how is this going to help you reach your goals? Is this who you want to be today? Right. And I'm able to immediately like, check myself but that's that it, it's it's crazy it's the initial thought and the second thought comes only as a result of like continued therapy continually yeah. like uh, going to my meetings working my steps like being focused on my recovery the second yeah. i put that down and i'm not actively involved in that the second thought starts to come a little bit slower for sure for sure i think it's uh, i mean we talked a little bit of it uh about it off air right like it's the awareness that we gain in recovery and, and the work that we're doing in a therapy that we, that we continue to do um, that, that gets, yeah. Cause our knee jerk reaction says like, like do, do what you've done most of your life. And then that second thought is what we've come to learn about ourselves that like our, our knee jerk reaction ends, it lands us the same place we've always landed. And it's not, it's, it's not where we want to be. Right. Like, wow. and so having that second thought and that forethought to say, you know, I know where, I know where this reaction takes me and I'm choosing, I've got, I've got seconds to choose here, which direction do I want to go? And to continually work on choosing the other direction is, you know, it's remarkable. It's remarkable that we can make those changes and continue to work on them and make those second thoughts come sooner and sooner, you know, the harder we work on them. Yeah. And it's how you say it, like when, even when you're talking about living like a certain lifestyle, if it's whether it be criminal, like being incarcerated, a gang, like that's seconds. You probably have, there's probably like an eight second space, a window yeah. for you to make whatever decision you're in, like who, right. who are you going to be in this moment? Yeah. 
And that's one of the things that's really helped is I like I've defined who I want to be. Like I know who I want to be. When I was younger, I wasn't living with any type of goals, no short term goals, no long term goals. I had right. zero care about my own self worth and being, let alone yeah. anybody else's. So everything, nothing mattered. Like everything was just spontaneous and on the moment. And yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's living for the moment with with no care in the world what happens after that moment. It's yeah. like, uh, yeah, it's a scary way to live. And they say insanity, like I've always heard they say insanity is repeating the same thing over and over and expecting. No, I must have been extra insane because a lot of times I knew the result. Yeah. Like I knew, I just, I just didn't care. There, there was no yeah. concern. And maybe, maybe it links back to that. Uh, any attention is good attention, but yeah, for sure. I think, I think that's the same for a lot of, uh, I, I know for sure for a lot of addicts, like we know. We know what, like deep down, there's no, we're never thinking this is gonna, this is gonna end up any different. We know how we're gonna end up. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, after a good run, like we know how we're gonna feel. We know how, like, we know how sick we're gonna be. We know it's that we don't give a fuck anymore. And, you know, it's, um, that's a scary, that's a, a really, really scary way to live with like, you know, I don't care enough about myself to, you know, I, my self-worth is so low that I know making this next decision is gonna fuck me over. And I'm still going to take that. But who cares? So, yeah. I'm who cares? Fuck. Yeah. People have always told me that. I know I'm that, you know, yeah. all the evidence in my life shows me that it's, it's, man, that's an ugly circle, man. I remember it. Like I remember it, you know? Yeah. Well, for I'm sure. Too far removed from it. It's yeah. Granted it's been some years, but I yeah. can still look at people today and say, wow. Yeah, for sure. You know, for or sure. I could be the, I, I, I'm one bad decision away from being in the worst shape on yeah. in prison. I mean, and I think that's a really important point to make that like, you know, even when we are in recovery and, you know, out of our, out of the lives that we were living for so long and now, you know, thriving in, in recovery and in a, in a life that's like, you know, better than our, our wildest dreams that we're, we're truly just one. We're an arm's length away from the next drink or drug. We're an arm's length away from the next person to harm from, you know, anything that could land us back to where we, you know, where we came from, where we don't want to go back to. And it, we're always just one bad decision or one really one bad thought away from that. And the, one yeah. of the greatest, like I got two like amazing examples of that is one, yeah. um, you know, my mom, congratulations to my mom. She just celebrated eight years being clean. And oh, she, yeah. Wow. She's the matriarch of our family. She's one of the most amazing. amazing I know. Well, years ago in her addiction, I remember, um, she had a relapse and, and within a week, everything's gone. Yeah. Like yeah. A, a whole life is gone. And, yep. and that's, that's, that takes a week. You know, I right. just finished doing, um, 29 years in prison. It took me three seconds to, to, to do that. Yeah. A three right. Second one decision that took me three seconds to execute a decision that I made cost me 29 years. Yeah. And that's anybody. You can want to, you could see that yellow light that's been on for three seconds, but hit that gas. And now you're in the yep. middle of an intersection. Just that it's, it, decisions are huge. Yeah. Huge, man. That's so true. And, you know, like you said, I mean, yeah, you did 29 years from a split second decision that you made. Um, yeah. Yeah. It took, and, 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 you know, that's, that's what two thirds of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Has been, has been, you know, you've been removed from from the rest of society yeah. for, for a, like a decision that was made so quickly. And, um, 
you know, I, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit off air. Like I don't, I don't like to spend a lot of time on the, on the negative stuff. And this is all about like the positive change, but this is part of your story, right? Like I'll say to anybody uh, watching or listening, you know, I would encourage you to, to check out um, some of Brian's other podcasts and appearances on shows. Cause you know, you, you go into great detail um, about your story and it's, it's really quite powerful and, 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 you know, uh, inspirational and uh, the way you deliver it is, is, is phenomenal. So, you know, um, for anybody who wants to know, like, the details, you know, you, you can go check out his other stuff, but like maybe you can just kind of highlight what happened, where you went, and then and we could talk about the changes that happened um, as a result. So, you know, in the I, there became a point at, at 16 years old that I, I was entrenched in, in just this criminal and gang behavior and my yeah. drug addiction had evolved. You know, I, I, I was using meth and um, I uh, I'm absent of goals and, and I'm just, I'm a, I'm a very, very unhappy person at that time. Mm -hmm. um, we went to a party one night and at that party, a, a big fight broke out, um, you know, between opposing gangs, mine and another one. And sadly a man lost his life. He was yeah. stabbed and I'm responsible for that. Um, at the time there, I, I, there was no remorse for it. I, I, you know, I wasn't a good person. My, you know, my, my heart, my emotions, everything was just froze. There, there wasn't anything there. Mm -hmm. So I, I never really um, felt the magnitude of, of what I had done. I'm just going, I'm just going through the system. This is what it's supposed to be. You know, I'm right. emulating other people that I see. Um, and so I, I ended up getting 20, to life. I, I, I took my case to trial. I ended up getting 20 to life. Um, they waited till I was 18 years old and I was transferred to prison. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It, it, yeah. It's looking back. It seems like a quick process, but this is about two years. Right. And my first, it's, 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 it's so scary because I remember my grandmother said like the change happened in you so fast. When I came home, mm -hmm. I'm looking at family pictures and like, I'm in a basketball league and then the pictures just stop and I'm wearing nothing but blue and the rest of the right. picture. Right. It, it just, that road happens so fast. And as you learn, yeah. you know, in, in recovery, like it's such a slippery slope and you always want that next high, that next level, that next thing. Like it's yep. never enough. Mm -hmm. It's never enough. Like I was never satisfied. Like I was like a bottomless pit that I would just, just stuff anything in just to fill that hole and not deal with anything, which I ha I didn't even know I had anything to deal with yet. I hadn't even acknowledged right. that. Like nobody had ever told me that. Yeah. And I definitely wasn't going to ask for any help. So, you know, I came into prison at 18 and my role models are, are these older guys. And, and, and again, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to emulate them and do and, and copy them and do everything they right. do. Right. Which is, you know, use drugs and run around the yard and get involved in all the nonsense in there. And I, and I go yeah. head into that. Yeah. Nothing had changed with me at that point. Like I, I was still that very same person. Well, you're that same person and you're put now in a, you know, you're in surroundings where it's, you know, you're a, I, I would think like it's time to prove yourself. And if you haven't looked at any of the things that have gone on in your life and that, that have brought you to that place, well, like. I'm here now. So who gives a fuck anyways? Right? Like, yeah. And I, I want to make clear, like, I understand, like I'm fully responsible for my, you know, for my life and my decisions. Yes. And, and when I came in at that time, like there was, 
no such thing as like a self-help there. Like there was nowhere to yeah. turn. Like there was no opportunity to learn anything. Like I, there were really no other options. Inside there was no, there was no program for you at that time or anything like that, that you could even. Zero. Zero. Yeah. yeah. This wow. is like, this is like 95, 96. It was just, yeah. you know, and the scariest part, which is horrible for society is like men are going in there. There's no program. So you're being educated as a criminal. You turn to the only place you can. Right. Because, you know, California prison system, it's, it's segregated by gangs and, and, and racial lines and politics. Yeah. And it's, um, you, you, these people are coming back out into society. So would you rather have somebody like with the opportunity, like I was dying to learn about myself at that point, but I, yeah. I didn't know where to turn it and, and change scared the hell out of me. Right. Still does. Absolutely. You yeah. Know? yeah. It still does, you know, in this new world for me. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I continuously just got in trouble in there. Yeah. Um, for, for a lot of years, I was transferred in uh, different prisons and um, I, I, always telling myself like, uh, like I'm built like this, like I, I can right. handle this and never giving a second thought to the fact that like, I'm dragging my family along with me throughout this entire mm. journey. Like they're, they're driving hundreds and hundreds of miles to come yeah. visit me. I, I, you know, I'm subjecting them to these visiting rooms and sometimes getting searched. Right. It was, it, I, I was, a, I was a fantastic addict, you know, yeah. so selfish, so yeah. selfish. Like, Blaming everybody, like poor me, mm -hmm. zero responsibility, and I was stuck in that for for many years. Right, right. I mean, that's what an addict is, right? Selfish, self centered, dishonest. You know, and we don't see that. We don't see. We have such blinders on to what we're doing to the rest of the people around us. You know, we think, oh, I'm just hurting myself. I'm putting myself through this. And to, you know, when you come out of that and realize the scope of the destruction and chaos that we cause one person, the scope of the like the chaos that we, the tornado that we create around us, is we call it the ripple effect. Massive. The way I like yeah, and, and we're hurting people that we don't even know we're hurting, you know, and and we have zero comprehension, zero, and 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 even if we do comprehend it, we don't comprehend it far enough to care enough to change, and um, and and when you get out of that out of that cycle and you actually have a look at, you know, the damage done, it's really quite powerful. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of bridges to mend and a lot of uh, amends to be made. Um, and some of them are lifelong, lifelong amends that we're making. Right. But um, it really helps us see, I think in, in recovery. And if we're following some kind of recovery program, there's always a component in there that uh, allows us to see our part in the destruction and chaos that we've caused and the fact that it all revolved around us and it was all our fault and we need to stop pointing the finger, right? Because we've been blaming the rest of the world for our problem. When I realized that like my whole life, I've been at war with the world and everybody yeah. around me, I came to realize that the war was going on the whole time inside my own head. Yeah. That was not only a, a devastating moment for me, but it was a liberating moment. Yeah. That, yeah. like, damn, it's been me this whole time. Yeah, granted, <laughs> yeah, granted, things have happened to me that were unfair that I maybe I didn't deserve, but right, I, I got to own my sense of responsibility and take responsibility for my side of the yard. You know. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely, and and that's and that's all we can do as people in recovery, right? That's that's our job is to to you know cl clean up our side of the street 
and pass the message along to the next person suffering, right? Th that those are our only two jobs, I think, and, and you know, people that have found found recovery and and a new life. Um, yeah, and I even remember. Um, I'm like probably in the middle of, of my prison sentence at this time. And, you know, I'm okay. losing and I'm involved in all kinds of stuff. And I remember either my mom told me or she wrote me a letter, but I remember it stuck with me. And even in the midst of, of the addiction and the chaos, she said, you're not a bad person trying to get good. You're a, you're a sick person trying to get well. Hmm. And that, okay. that's sort of like, like, okay. Like, you know, that, there's a way out that I don't know. Did that right. just, that just, that really resonated with me because I I've always been a like a I'm a uh, talkative in school I'm a troublemaker I'm a class clown I'm a yeah. juvenile delinquent I'm tried as an adult I'm a lifer like I'm all these right. like negative things and I don't know that one always stuck to me I I didn't it made that a moment of clarity that I that I missed yeah yeah I think that's important because you know we've been told for our um, you know majority of our lives that we were that we were bad that we were you know that we were doing the wrong things that we're, you know, we're always being punished for things. So we have this idea that we're a bad person, but we're not bad people. We're good people that are making terrible decisions over and over again. And I mean, it's really quite similar to that. Like you're just a sick person that needs to get well, but there is a solution. Right. And that, that, that message sent, that sends that message that, you know, a sick person can get well. So if I'm a sick person, not a bad person, I'm a sick person. And there's a solution and a way for me to become unsick. Yeah. Cause if you're bad, it's just, there's, there's, there's no like redemptive value to you. You're just bad. Yes. Yeah. But if you're sick, like, okay, you can, there's medicine or there's th different uh, things you could do to get somebody better. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I can identify with sick, like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, that was huge. That was huge for me. That moment right there. Yeah. Your mother said that had she found recovery at that point or was she, um, yeah, she had gotten clean. Um, it, it's, it's, I, I feel so today, like it still weighs really heavy on me. She had um, some years clean when I got arrested for this, she relapsed that night. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she, she, she was out there for like a decade plus man. Oh, wow. Yeah. Plus like, but like I said, the, the, the story ends amazing. Like we're in recovery yeah. together. We support each other. Like, we yeah. Sit have the most amazing conversations. Like she's so full of like endless wisdom and yeah, it's, it's my relationship with my mother is so beautiful. That's amazing. That's yeah. So important. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I guess it's almost a message of, uh, or, a, or, a yeah, I guess a message of hope that she gives you. Well, and, and, my grandma used to call him God winks. Okay. You know? Yeah. 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 Just something like that, that, that slips through the darkness. Cause a mm -hmm. lot of stuff wasn't reaching me, but that, that one slipped through the darkness and it. Yeah. It yeah. 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 Cool. So from that moment, when you get the, the sort of God wink there, um, is that enough to incite some sort of change for you? I mean, it, it planted a seed. I didn't take yeah. like any like, concrete actions, but it was, it was like sort of like a reminder of like, come on, Brian, like, this isn't yeah. you like you're, you're better than this. Like I knew I was better than this. Right. Right. But uh, like, so like so many other times it just plunged me deeper into my addiction. Like, you know, somebody holds up that mirror to you and, and I'm out of there, you know, yeah. I deal with it, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of us have that where we're told, you know, there's hope, there's hope. And we think, yeah, like, okay, there's hope. The light bulb goes on for a split second and then we go back to our thinking. You know, it's, it's, it's like, we know that it's there, 
but it's not quite within our grasp, we think, right? And especially when, you know, not only am I serving a life sentence in a prison, like there's so many like self-constructed prison cells that I've like built around myself. Yeah. Yeah. It just like I, it, and I'm, it's my responsibility. Like I had dug a hole deep. Like I was in, I was just in a, such a dark place for so many years, you know? Right. And I, I literally there, I, I didn't envision any way out of there. Yeah. It's, it's a scary place to live. Um, you know, when you're, when you're in that, in that hole that you've dug yourself, um, or ourselves, well, you know, we all do it. Um, you know, recovery seems so, it almost doesn't sound real, you know, and, and the, the possibility of change doesn't, doesn't feel real because we don't know any different. We don't know at that point, like, how do we, okay, these, there's these people telling us that we can change our lives, that we can live differently, that we can be a, a good person and not be an addict, not be a criminal, not be whatever, whatever we are that we don't like about ourselves. But it seems so, we're so far removed from that, that possibility that we don't, we don't, we don't believe in ourselves enough to, to be able to, you know, reach out and, and actually grab that hand that, that might be offering us help or, you know, we don't have the self-will to change. And we're so, we're so programmed, right? We're so programmed to be who we are at that point. We don't think that there's any possibility of ever becoming anyone different. Yeah. And then you feel almost like, a, you know, you know, here's these people telling me I, I, they're, you know, I can change, I can get well, I don't have to be the sick person anymore. But, you know, it, it, for me, it always made me feel like a failure because I couldn't, I didn't have the, I didn't have uh, my, my ego and my pride were standing in the way of, of reaching out for help and actually saying, admitting I have a problem to another human being and, and really saying, I don't know how to run my own life. Yeah. And at this stage too, the only like positive, cause like I said, there, and I, I'm moving all the way up to maybe like 2006, seven, eight around this time. Like there, yeah. it, this is throughout my whole incarceration. Like there were no positive messages coming to me outside of my family. Even with my family, it was almost like at a point of like surrender. Like they yeah. loved me regardless, but like, like he's got life. Like he, it's, you know, right. The, the time for a positive message is like, he's dead. Yeah. He's dead. No, nobody's going home. So it's all about at this stage, survive, make it through the day, like do what right. you got to do to survive in there because uh, we're, we're seeing in the newspapers and, and, and hearing the news about what's going on inside of there, you know, yeah. and they'll come to visit and the lockdowns will happen because somebody, you know, was murdered or something. So yeah, such a, it's, it's definitely not a place where like, it's hopeless. So take me to the take me to the the point where the hopelessness is somewhat alleviated, and you see, yeah. you know that 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 little that that piece of hope or the the thing to drive the change yeah. for you. It's 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 like a series of just miracles, whatever you want to call it, just began yep. occurring, and it started unfortunately after the my biggest fear in life, the worst thing that could ever ever happen to me in my life was losing my grandmother. Yeah. When my mom came to visit me, um, I'm in, I'm in solitary confinement at this time. I'm in the security okay. housing unit. Um, I, I'm, I'm in a cell by myself. I've gotten myself in a, a fair amount of trouble as a result of my addiction. So she told me that like my grandmother had passed away and I, I went back to my cell that day and 
I just hit the ground, man. Like I, I was completely bankrupt. I was completely broken, like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Like I, I, I had no idea, you know, um, I've shared before, like I, I was ready to kill myself. Like yeah. I, I had planned out the way I was going to go. Like I, I, I just couldn't do it. Right. Right. Um, but in a moment of just utter desperation, like completely just broken, I like, I prayed as I, I, I didn't know what else to do. There was nobody else. I couldn't tell the people around me. Cause that's crazy. Like, you don't, you don't talk about stuff. You just suck it up and you stay quiet and you know, yep. <clears throat> and the people around me probably didn't have my best interest at heart. You know, everybody has yeah. their own agenda. So I said a prayer and, and it, it, it turned into deciding to want to live my life in a way that honored my grandmother because she raised me well. She always believed in me, in me. Her love was unconditional. Right. And that began a process of, of, okay, I'm going to do this. And, okay. um, I, I, I began reading like the big blue book of narcotics anonymous. Um, yeah. I began watching different TV shows. I began small things, listening to different music. Okay. I'm completely like the desire to change doesn't always equate to changing. Like I, I, I was, I was a, yeah. a tangled mess. My thought process was messed up, but I'm a broken human being at this part, right? At this time, and I just want, I just want to be somebody else. Like I'm done, I'm done. And it's so funny because when I wanted to stop being Brian James, I would have done anything to be to not be him. And yeah. now, I, I want to be Brian James. I would do anything. You know, right. any kind of, I was reading Brene Brown books and like all kinds yeah. of stuff, like, but just yeah. trying to discover myself and a law passed, um, called Senate bill 260, which basically says if you're 18 years or younger and you committed a crime such as the one I committed or a serious violent crime, you will have the possibility of parole because science proves that your brain is not fully formed by 25. You, you're not entirely responsible for decision-making and like, okay. I, there's a lot to it. It, it, it was science-based. So now I, they're saying I have an opportunity to go home, um, right. I, like through my behavior, but I like, I'm in so much trouble still. Like I'm still, but it's hope yeah. for the first yeah. time in my life. There, there, there was hope at the end, but I'm still in solitary confinement and I'm not getting out. So the opportunity came up um, through peaceful hunger strikes and things like that. Um, I got out of solitary confinement. So now I'm back on the general population yard. Yeah. Where because of that SB 260 laws, now they have Narcotics Anonymous. They have Criminal Gang Members Anonymous, Emotional Intelligence, Healing Dialogue and Action, Inside Out Riders, like these right. groups that are, are – and people coming in from the streets, yep. the most amazing people who like genuinely care about you. Yeah. And this is a revolution happening like within the California prison system. Mm -hmm. You know, things are, 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 are really changing. And like I said, I'm desperate. So I'm diving into, I'm signing up for everything. My whole day, I'd wake up in the morning, spend all day in groups. I had these little composition books. I was filling up with notes and yeah, I really wanted to be a better person and understand myself. And right. Right. In the process is when I signed up for the positive change program that, um, that dog program that ultimately just rocked my world yeah, and, and changed my life and changed my entire life. Yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit about that because this is a part of your story that I think is amazing and so powerful. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that the dogs, uh, I was in Corcoran state prison at the time and okay. easily the most treacherous prison in California. 
Yeah. It, it, it was a danger zone. And for somebody like me, who's like trying to change my life, like that, that yeah. was, uh, you know, walking around on eggshells, you know, I bet. Yeah. And, and I'm still, I'm, I still want to like, I, I want to be that tough guy that I always was, but I want to be that guy that changed. So like, yeah. I'm kind of like, you know, I guess they call it playing the fence a little, like, but I'm trying yeah. like consciously trying to stay out of situations, um, trying to stay away from certain things. So I, I come in and it says positive change dog program. And, and like, I'm open for it. Like, uh, right. Not going to happen, but I'm going to sign up for it. Why not? Okay. You know, I'm signing up for everything. I'm yeah. full of hope and, and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, Zach Scow came on the yard. Um, like a month later with that pit bull that we talked about earlier. Yeah. And yeah. Like I couldn't stop thinking about it, man. Every night I was just like, wow. Like just, it was just an amazing feeling, you know? And so yeah. they came and interviewed me. Um, mm -hmm. It was uh, Lisa Porter and Leah Marquez, just amazing dog trainers. Like they came to, okay. yeah, they came to interview me for the positive change program and, and told me that I got accepted. And amazing. three weeks later, they, the, all the trainers came in and they talked to us and, um, we spent time with them and the following week they brought us our dog and yeah. I remember all seven dogs came in. I remember there was one dog. It was like a little puppy, a little like German shepherd mix named Flynn. I was like, dang, I hope I get Flynn. Everybody liked Flynn. He was crazy, yeah. like crazy little boy or something, you know, and they assigned me to Flynn and I was so happy. Like it, there, it was just a joy. Like that inside I just had never known it was completely right. foreign to me completely yeah. foreign to me and um they assigned another they as I've shared before it's it's the genius part of the program they get two polar opposites right people yeah. and they assign you together to get a dog and not only do they they do that they study your personality and try and assign a dog that will complement you Okay. So they know cool. hey, this guy's extra quiet. He's a, he's an introvert and all that. They'll get the biggest, loudest, craziest dog. Yeah. Yeah. So there's wow. so much thought and compassion and, and like that, that goes into this, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I started, uh, I, I, I began every Wednesday, the trainers would come in and give us our assignments and, and show us training techniques. Yeah. We'd have to journal about it, write down our goals and, um, in okay. the process, so much stuff. Like I benefited emotionally uh, mentally spiritually like through these dogs yeah like i mean we were we were talking a little bit off air earlier and you know it, you talked about like the first you hadn't touched a dog you hadn't pet a dog in you know around 25 years at that point and you know here you are getting this unconditional love from a from a dog and now partnered up with somebody who you would otherwise not have even crossed paths unless maybe in a negative way, but not yeah. been paired up for anything. Right. And, yeah. and now, you know, you're, you're, you're building a bond with this person who's a polar opposite of you through this dog that is showing like absolute unconditional love, compassion, and like, you know, um, kind of filling all those voids that you had been looking for, for years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, a lot of times I, I think that part doesn't get highlighted when they're talking about like the positive change program. Like, yeah, you know, it's a, what the dogs obviously is the focal point of it in the training and all that, but what goes on behind the background, like, like I said, in the most brutal of environments, there, there was about 20 of us Yeah, across like 
geographical, ethnic, all boundaries you can imagine. Like we came together, like as the positive yeah. change tribe. And like, we, like, these are people that had never even considered the idea of change. But right. when, when a dog's around it, it's just, it, it, it softens the mood. It makes, it makes things easier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Didante Farmer, who I train the, one of my dogs with, um, you know, like I've shared before, there, there would have been no circumstances for me to ever interact with him or him interact with me. Yeah. This guy was a, a, a blood from Compton. Right. Uh, there's no way, but we, we came together and we, we started working on this dog together and, and in the process, got to know each other and came to realize like, damn. Yeah. We're, we're a lot alike. Yeah. A lot yeah. more in common than you would have guessed. Right. And, and, and I like you a lot better than I do, you know, most people from, you know, my car, you know, my, yeah. home. like I, I remember, uh, I don't know if I, I told him, but I remember thinking one time, if I had two Laker tickets right now and I could go to a game, like I'm going to take Didante over anybody yeah. in the entire yard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's amazing. And you're still, you're still working with him today, right? Yeah. So he got out uh, about a year and a half before me. Yeah. And just to show the level of drive, like, you know, we work at LA canines together. He was mm -hmm. in a, like a transitional housing would not allow okay. him to have a car or anything like that. He rode his bicycle three hours every morning from Long Beach to Culver City just to get to work, to work at that place. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. that's something. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. So, that's pretty powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and we stayed in contact. So he got me that job. Like he put me on the phone with Colleen Steckloff, who's the GOAT when it comes to yeah. dog training. Like there's, there is no better. Yeah. And, and her and her husband were amazing and said, yeah, like we have a job here for you. Like we believe in you and we're ready for you. And, wow. and, and because, yeah, because of these people, like I came home and, and like, I'm working at my dream job like yeah. with, like with dogs, I get to observe like the other trainers there and, and, and pick up knowledge and techniques. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's, that's amazing. Um, when you know that you're, you're coming home after this many years, and, and, you know, to know that now you've got a direction in life, you've got your recovery, you've got the dogs that is your focus, and you know, you've got a skill and a, and a drive for, you know, training these dogs and being around these dogs, you actually have, I mean, I could, I would imagine that after that much time, like, I have something to come out for, you know, I, I don't, I'm not just coming out to go repeat the same mistakes or do, you know, I've got I've got, I've built, you've inside, you've built a life emotionally, um, physically, um, spiritually that you've got now a direction to go with your life and, you know, to, to get out with all of those tools kind of in your toolbox now, yeah. you know, that is, that is really quite remarkable. And that is, that's like the real reform, you know what I mean? Like you're a different person. And you're and you're coming out to 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 now work with, you know, the, your passion, your passion. Like there are so many people, so much of the population does a job every single day that they hate, you know, and you get to come out after, you know, two thirds of your life gone from you. You get to come out and actually work in your passion field like that is amazing. Yeah. And that's why I make it. I don't like I don't ever say I have to go to work like I get to go. to yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. 
And yeah, I, like, yeah I'm at a place in life right now where like I, I'm trying to be grateful for everything because I, all I have to do is look back like not too far. Yeah. Like, right. I, uh, like I was living in a box and yeah. like, I, you know, I, I was, I'm out here because of an act of mercy from the parole board who paroled me. Like, I, I don't feel because of my past, I'm not deserving of anything. Like, I feel I, like I'm driven every day. I have to wake up and earn my place in, in this yeah. world. Yeah. I kind of, we kind of talked about this a little bit before. I mean, when you have perspective like that, you get to wake up every morning like you get to wake up every morning yeah, and have that freedom and have, um, you know, you get, you have things to be grateful for instead of, you know, waking up. I mean, I can remember waking up pissed off that I woke up. I'm pissed that I even woke up today. I wish I, I wish I wouldn't have. And, you know, to have that perspective and, and look where I was and look where I am today and look what I have in my life and how, how full of love you know, your life is now with, with, you know, your family, your fiance, that your work, the relationship with yourself, your recovery, all of that. It's like, that is, that's a life, a life beyond our wildest dreams. I would, you know, no, especially someone like, like me, like I'm not even supposed to be free right now, let alone even alive. Yeah. Like I, 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 pl- I played with life so much. Mm-hmm. I played with life so much to where, uh, yeah, I, I can feel nothing but gratitude. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. Like they like, I've had some hard days out here, man. Like it, yeah. like, we're, we're like, it's, it's not, it's not all easy at all. Like it's difficult. Like I, I feel like I'm a new person in a new world. Not only my, you know, in my freedom and all that in my recovery, last time I was out here, I was 16. So that's my reference point for yeah. for being out here like i was telling my sister the other day every i always get anxiety walking into like a liquor store and okay and I, think, I don't know i i feel like every experience that i've had with a liquor store is always in the movies because i've yeah. been in a box for 20 years and every liquor store you know in the movies the slow motion robbery and like so when sure. i walk in there I, I don't know that's like my every experience is is by way of a movie yeah yeah so that's the only thing because I don't know why my anxiety level when I go to get my high voltage coffee in the morning always spikes <laughs> yeah. when I walk. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, it, I was talking to my wife about this before we we jumped on the call, and um, I was saying, you know, because for me, when I was when I was a teenager, like we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have the internet, like we had what pagers, we had pay phones we had you know we didn't you know, the cars look different we had you know everything everything in life yeah. is completely changed so much in 30 years yeah and you know to 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 have such limited access to all that and then come out into this whole new world that we all of a sudden i mean you're 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 thrust into this world that you have to learn all this stuff right yeah um and, and it's uh the world's the world is so much different than it was you know when i was 17 yeah and when you were 17 you know um every day learning learning something new that's been almost like a culture shock yeah i i joined a a gym the other day and the process to join the gym like oh my god like they were asking for so many questions that i had no uh, like I had to show yeah. my card and my, my routing information and this and that. Like I had I was yeah. completely lost. I wanted to just grab all my stuff and turn around and walk out. Like, but, <laughs> yeah. 
And that's one thing too that I, I was thinking about after the, the guy behind the counter, like this dude was patient. He, he was so he, he was great. Like I told him, look, yeah, I'm new to this man. Like I'm, I'm like I'm freshly out. Like I'm just trying to. He goes, you know. So he was great with me. But yeah, that's one thing that I do want to say. The I, like I hear a lot about the world being ugly and negative. Like my overwhelming experiences that I've been out have been like amazing. Like I've met people that have shown me kindness, that have been patient with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I, it's been pretty like way more good than bad. Yeah, I think that's important. And you know, I think to that point as well, I will say that when I'm leading with kindness and compassion, yeah, I I am. I'm always kind, compassionate people are always put in my path. And when I'm, when I'm leading with anything, but those two things, you know, anger, resentment, frustration, whatever, I'm, I'm met with the exact same emotion. So I think it is, there's a lot there to that, right? Like we're carrying ourselves with, you know, with all these new tools and, and this compassion for other people and these, this new life that we've learned about. Mm. And I think that that, um, you know, not to sound too hippie, but like it almost radiates from us, from people that that have that have done the work and have really, you know, changed. And they're truly living in in that change. They're not just talking the talk. They're walking the walk. Right. Yeah. And I think that there is something I can remember, you know, my first couple of years getting clean. Yeah, it was it was hell. It was torture. But I dove deep into it because that's the only way I knew how to get into something is like head first. And I remember people coming across people and they said, what, what are you doing? I didn't say a word to them. And they said, what are you doing differently? What is like, you're, are you at the gym? Are you, what is it different? And I said, no, I'm just, I'm, I've changed my life. And they're like, I hate, you know, I, they, they, I don't, I don't know how to say this properly, but there's an aura or there's a something about you that is so different. And yeah. And they said, it's almost palpable. You can, you can feel it, the change. Yeah. And these are people that have known me through my addiction and now, you know, in my recovery. And I think that, 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 um, that change attracts like-minded people. And I think that we're, you know, we're, when we're living, when we're living in that truth, you know, we're going to come across people that are, that are going to reciprocate that, that kindness, compassion, and care for us that we are giving to others now. Yeah. And I think one of the best pieces of advice that I had got when I was leaving, it was it's from this OG dude, man. He, he had life without parole. He'd been in prison yeah. probably like, like 42 years at that point. And he said, like, I, like I, he'd known me since a teenager in prison. Right. And he goes, I've, yeah, I've observed you like throughout life. And I've seen these last five years. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so proud of like who you've become. Yeah. And he goes, when you get out there, stand on your values. Like he, first he asked me, what do you value? I was like, you know, family and honesty. And, and like, I want to be a good man. He said, stand on that. That's your square. Yeah. So when you get out there, stand on your square. Don't, no matter what happens, the circumstances, people, what somebody says, don't step off your square. Yeah. Maintain, maintain yourself. So it's always in my head, stay in your square. I love stand that. my square. Yeah. Like when I'm out here, somebody could say something wild to me that would, you know, trigger me. That does trigger me, but Stand on your square, Brian. Stand yeah. on your square. Yeah. Again, easier said than done, but you know that that was a great piece of advice. That's like really helped me out a lot out here. For wow. sure, for sure, and and yeah, easier said than done, but not impossible at all. You know, Absolutely. like nothing that's gonna nothing that's good for us is easy. It's all hard. It's all hard work. 
but the benefit, the payoff is worth it, right? That's what we do it for is, you know, the, the feeling we get back from, from those hard changes that we've had to make and those, those hard, you know, look, the, the hard look at our past and the, you know, the finding compassion for the person that we were and the things that we did and the people that we've harmed and the, and the living with that stuff and the, you know, it, and that's a daily thing, right? Like we daily, we have to look at our past and, you know, with honest, compassionate, kind eyes and say, you know, and, and to give gratitude for, for who we are today and the things that we have been through. Um, and to, you know, a lot, I, I talked a little bit about, um, like living amends, right? Like we can't, there's people that we can't make amends to. Um, but what we can do is make living amends. And that means always choosing that right next move that we need to make in life to honor the people that aren't here today or that we aren't able to properly make that amends to, right? Yeah. I remember I made that decision to try to live in a way that honors my grandmother. Yeah. And also, you know, combined with that, equally important in my life and mine is honoring the victim, the man who lost his life. Whose, whose, whose story is my story and my story is his story forever. Like, I don't, I don't want that to be in vain. Like, yeah, I, I want something good to be, to come out of that. Right. Right. And it, it's, it's, it's like, a, like, a, like a mandate in me. Like, I feel it. Like, it's not, it's, this is not a task. It's something I know I have to do. And it's something like, I'm very gladly, like I said, it, it keeps me, it keeps me humble. And it keeps me grateful. For sure. And connected, right? Like that's the, and you need to stay connected to that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's so powerful, man. And um, I want to just tell you how much, well, first of all, how proud of you, how proud of you I am for everything that you do and continue to do. Um, you, so you know, it, it's been a, a, you know, a pleasure to get to know you over the last few months and, and, um, and, you know, either through messaging on the internet or watching your, your interviews and now actually speaking face to face. Um, yeah, your, your story is quite remarkable. And I'm, I am absolutely honored to, to have this conversation with you. And I know that so many people will get so much from this and you know, that you are, you are truly like a messenger of hope. Wow. Yeah. Hard to accept, but I will carry that. I will yeah, carry man. That. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, so much. I, I really, I, I appreciate everything that you have to offer and, you know, and I want to, you know, I, of course I want to stay connected with you and, you know, um, you know, what, what, what are you doing today for your, I mean, we talked a little bit about what you do every day for your, for your, to maintain your recovery and, and what's next for you, do you think? And are you, are you, do you have plans with, uh, you know, with, with your career with, I know you're, you're engaged now, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you, do you have a, you know, do you have a sort of what's next for Brian? So the greatest, um, I got a message from Scott Budnick about a month ago, three weeks okay. ago, asking, uh, would you be willing to commit to going into juvenile hall um, yeah. two Saturdays a month? Wow. And Silmar Juvenile Hall, like I've been to every single unit. Yeah. Like, I, I know the place inside out. And that was literally like a dream come true wow. to walk in. There. So we're in the process, uh, me and some other people are going to go in there and, and mentor the young men, talk to the young men. Amazing. Yeah, that it's that's like one of the greatest honors that, mm -hmm. that I could ever have, especially in a place like that, that I'm yeah. so familiar with and such a connection to me. 
So uh, I'm going to be doing that. Um, me and um, Didante, who I spoke about earlier, mm -hmm. we're, we're working on creating our own podcast right now. Amazing. Um, yeah. Just to highlight, you know, issues and, and, and conversations and yeah. 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 Hopefully, you know, bring, bring change to the world. And, and at the end of the day, it's always trying to make my life, um, give it reason. Yeah. Give, give, give it purpose. Right. You know, I, I don't believe I, I went through all I've done. I don't believe I've done all I've done just for nothing. So if, if in any way I, I, I can turn around and even if it's one person and say like, no matter what it is, like heroin addiction, you're struggling with gangs, you're struggling with suicide. I can say, like, I've been there. Yeah. I was there like for a long time stuck, but right. check me out, like, check me out now. Like there's another side to that. Yeah. And I'll, yeah. And, and, and I'll rock with you all the way there. Like, I'm not just going to sit back and tell you, like, I'll ride with you on that. Like, we'll get you there. Right. You so know? important. That is, that is yeah. like, that, that's what it's about right there. Right. Giving the giving back piece is so huge. And, you know, I, I, I do a lot of that here up here where I'm at. Um, you know, I speak I speak in the detention centers and prisons up here. And um, it's like there is no better place for me to give back because that's where I, I've, I've spoken at so many different places, told my story at so many different places. But like doing it in the corrections in, in corrections is like. Just the fact and you touched a little bit about this, that just the fact that somebody will come in from the outside for you know for free and volunteer their time to spend an hour you know with the guys with the young people or the or the guys that are incarcerated the respect and the the thankfulness that yeah. i get you know what i mean and the impact i feel like that's where Huge. i can make the biggest impact and impact. and it's not just for me like you know i've connected with guys on their release dates and stuff like that and you know gotten with them. Hey, let's go to a meeting. Let's go for coffee. Let's do this. Let's, let's sign up for the gym. Let's do some boxing, you know, and, and some of them, they've become some of my, you know, closest friends. And I met them just talking just because that's where I felt I could make the most impact and give back. And, um, they need to hear, I, I believe that especially the young people in the juvenile, um, detentions, uh, centers, they need to hear from people like you, they, they need to hear your story. Um, and, and like you said, to be able to, I'm, I'm not just in there telling my story and I'm going to walk out and, you know, enjoy my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, 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 I'm, I'm coming back in, I'll be back next week and let's link up when you're released. Let's, let's get active. Let's go do some stuff. Let's, let's make some change. Let's, let's keep the momentum going. Right. It's not. And, and I think that's the important part. It's huge. Like that front to back support. Like I'm here to tell yeah. you about my life change and like, here's my number. Yeah. Like let's link up from someone who sat in those seats. Like there's yeah. no, there's, it's a huge, huge, huge impact. Like, Cause a lot of times you're probably the first and only person who's ever actually genuinely cared about a lot of these people that you're talking yeah. to. And, and it's somebody who's been, you know, been there, been like been through the same things and sat with the same emotional torture yeah. And, you know, and I, the thing that I've really found is that a lot of the guys that go into um, the detention centers up where I'm at, they're old timer AA or NA guys. And they're, they're, they're in there with their gray hair. And like, hey, don't, when I can grow my hair, it's gray too. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, they, they don't, they don't see, they don't see eye to eye with them. That they, they looks like some old grandfather coming in, telling their war stories and, you know, and then they're, they're gone. 
and they yeah. want to and then when i go in there it's different and they always tell me that they're like we just we don't come to the meetings that you're not that you're not running because like we want to hear from you and like there's a connection there that that's lost with the old timers and you know um i think that's that's what we need a lot more of I think just the fact of you being in there, like the first time I ever saw a lifer like come into prison, like uh, you can yeah. never imagine a lifer like in, in civilian clothing, like, yeah. So it gives you a hope. Like a lot of times you can listen to stuff and read books, but if you see like a Chris walk in, if you see a Brian walk in, like, okay, now yeah. you can connect a face. You can, yep. It just, it just touches deeper. I think it does. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked for you. And the people that get to hear your message and get to, and that you get to be a part of their, you know, their life, hopeful, hopefully change, hopefully life change and, and recovery. And, and I know, I know that there's going to be, you know, at least one, probably multiple people that are going to hear your story and, and grab onto it. And that's, as I said, that messenger of hope for the people that truly need it, that truly have been searching for love and acceptance in all the wrong ways yeah like yeah. we did right and and um yeah man i'm, I'm really I'm, I'm just i'm beyond grateful and um you know i before we wrap up i usually like to ask um you know if people want to reach out to you want to follow you want to learn more about your story um how can how can they connect with you yeah well, i mean really the only platform i'm on is is instagram and free bliss Okay. f-r-e-e-b-l-i-s-s-1 and um yeah I, I i love to talk to people about recovery i met a lot of amazing people and yeah. from all over the world you know yeah. different countries and yeah, yeah man. that's the beauty of the beauty of the internet right like yeah when it's yeah. used for the right things like that i mean we can connect with people all over the world that are just like us yeah you know? it, yes exactly exactly yeah I'll be sure to link all that in the show notes so people can easily access uh your instagram and then when you get your podcast up and started, let me know. And I'll put that in the, in the show notes as well. So people oh, can, can link to that. But um, again, man, um, deepest gratitude for your time, your story, your life. Um, and, and just, you know, sharing so openly and honestly and being so vulnerable and, and, and powerful in your message everywhere you go. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. 